Welcome, you're listening to Sansish. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd. Welcome everybody, this is Aaron O'Dowd at Sansish. Today we have Peter Bedard. He is an, an amazing individual. He, had, he was a ballerina, then became a, a healer in order to fix his amazing uh, injuries. Uh, he experienced a car crash and um, needed to heal himself in order to do what he was so passionate about. On September 2014, I got to meet Peter at the Queen Mary Alive and Health Conference in where I discovered how amazing Peter was and his talents and so on. So welcome, Peter, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be part of this with you. Oh, I'm, I'm very excited as well to have, have you on. Um, Peter, explain, explain your wonderful and amazing story and how it all began for, for the amazing Peter Bedard. <laughs> well, I like to be amazing. Um, well, it started quite some time ago. Uh, somebody actually killed me and slammed me into the back of a semi-truck when I was uh, in my late teens. And I shattered my left leg and I split my right wrist open. I lost all the nerves in my right hand. I cracked five vertebrae. Uh, what else? I had some brain damage and all that kind of stuff. And I had to heal myself and that led, you know, that one incident sort of cascaded into uh, multiple incidents of, of pain and, and disease states. So I had to learn how to walk again and I had chronic pain and I had arthritis and asthma and bronchitis and sciatica and uh, I had pneumonia before and I dehydrated severely many times to the point of coming close to dying and my hemoglobin was splitting at one point and my white blood cells were attacking my red blood cells and I had anxiety and depression and chronic allergies and the list kind of goes on and on and the only thing being offered to me was drugs and surgery and the surgery was fantastic for putting my leg back together you know I'm very blessed that I had some amazing surgeons to help me be able to put my bones back together but once that was done I didn't want to do any more surgeries and I certainly wasn't interested in pharmaceutical drugs so I just sort of lived through the pain and uh, grinned and bear it, as they say. And eventually, over the years, I started discovering holistic health and alternative therapies. And I started just experimenting with everything I could get my hands on. And I you know, was living paycheck to paycheck, and any extra money was going towards that experience of my healing. And eventually, I was able to heal myself. So all that list of stuff that I, I just... Uh, espoused to you is now gone. It's all been completely healed and uh, it's, it's actually shaped me into the person I am today. I actually have become a healer. I work with people who have anxiety and addiction issues as well as life and death chronic cancer type of issues and I help them find their way and I just got a publishing deal for my first book which is all about that process of helping people heal. I call it convergence healing and it's soon going to be on one of the Simon & Schuster uh, imprints. So it's very exciting. Wow, congratulations on your, your new yeah. book. Um, Special shout out to the beautiful Mary Helen if she's, in, if she's going to be listening to this interview because Mary Helen is, uh, and the beautiful Tricia Scanlon 
or how uh, I was introduced into the publishing world. So thank you to them. Wow, it just shows you how friends can help friends. Absolutely, you know. I, I, I like to say that I attracted the right people and they attracted me. That, that is so correct. Peter, the one thing I like about your story, I don't think we, we touched on it, was how you became a ballerina and then had this, this experience. And then while you were um, trying to heal all your various elements, um, that you had ex that you had um, from that accident um, to get to that healing. I just wonder if you could put a small synopsis or brief on how you got from having all these various injuries to pitch perfect. <laughs> got it. So how did I become a ballerina? That was your first question. Which is funny because you know I used to tease myself and and uh, I was one of the only men in the dance groups that I was in and you know I, I would I would call myself a bunhead. Because uh, the girls normally had longer hair and they'd put their hair up on a bun on their head and that was a reference for being a ballet dancer. So we were bun heads. <laughs> um, I became a, a, a ballet dancer, but actually just a dancer um, because I have kind of a Billy Ellie story. My, my father was a Marine and a Catholic Marine and my mother is an Episcopalian and, and Ireland that has a very specific experience. Uh, where I grew up, it really didn't mean anything, but it's always fun to point that out. And they were a very working class, <coughs> uh, wonderful couple. And I was an anomaly to them, you know, to have, uh, you know, my dad was an athlete and a jock and an umpire, a professional umpire. And, you know, here I come along and I'm, I'm a little boy and I want to be a dancer. <laughs> And eventually I was kind of discovered. I was dancing with a, what we call show choirs. It's sort of like um, a kid's performance group. And we were traveling and doing competitions and stuff of that sort. Sort of like Glee. Uh, I'm sure people have, you know, listening may have seen the television show Glee at, at times. And uh, one of our choreographers kind of discovered me and put me into a school. And in that school, I really flourished. I felt like I had found my voice, I would found my home, I found my way to communicate with the world. And a dancer was a way that I felt safe. So when I had the accident, all of that was taken away from me. So when somebody slammed me into that back of the semi-truck and I died, I lost my voice, I lost how I knew how to be in the world. So that was a very significant event. Uh, now, your second question was, it was just explaining the, the process of how you eventually got to heal yourself. My healing took a, a good 20 years because, as I said earlier, I didn't have a lot of money. And I lived paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And I ended up you know, going to therapists and seeking out holistic healing because I knew the allopathic way wasn't the route I wanted to do with drugs and surgery. And because I didn't have a lot of money, it took a lot of time because I could only go to healers when I could afford to. Many of them were quite generous and they were giving me discount rates and stuff like that here and there, uh, which was lovely, but I still had to spread out the word. So my healing uh, took that 20 years and I would jump from one therapy to another therapy to another therapy and I noticed that as I did each of them, I would feel better and I would kind of conclude with that one therapy and move on to the next one. I would be running up the ladder, as you say, where uh, I would be getting better and better each time, but it was very gradual. Then I started to actually combine therapies. I had a little extra money and uh, a little generosity from different people, and I was able to start 
working on myself, not only on, on in one therapeutic model, but in several at a time. And that's when my healing really, really took off. I was doing healing on all levels of our existence, right? Our body, our mind, and our spirit. So that combination of doing the work on each of those levels at the same time is what really created my wellness. And that's a lot about what my book is. There's a whole process of going in, uh, befriending that part, talking to that part, and having a conversation with the part that's in pain, or that isn't well, or that's in a state of dis-ease, and making it your best friend instead of making it something that you're angry at, you want to throw away, or you're, you want to beat up, or you're ashamed of, or embarrassed, or cut out, or any of that kind of stuff. So really changing the dynamics of that relationship with that part, and then asking that part what it needs to heal, what it needs to heal, and doing that on all levels, on a body, mind, spirit. So the answers that I eventually got were answers that led me to my wellness, and this is what I actually do with my practice. So I ask people to talk to their tumors, make their tumor their best friend. And in, uh, in talking that tumor, loving it, it's a part of them. Inviting that tumor to speak, to communicate with them. It's there for a reason. It's most likely doing a service. It's trying to get out whatever it is that's been shoved down into the body and that we haven't dealt with emotionally or spiritually. And our bodies have to deal with it and it deals with it through you know, it comes out sideways as tumors, as anxieties, as depression, all that type of stuff. So then having those conversations with it and following the lead of that part. So what, specifically with my leg, I started talking with my knee and I started asking my knee because my knee had been in great amounts of pain and my knee was really shattered into bits and I had arthritis and the bone on bone contact and the doctors wanted to give me knee replacement surgery and I refused, but I had to do something. And so I started talking to my knee and asking what it needed to heal. And my knee actually started communicating with me. It doesn't communicate necessarily the same way that you and I communicate. It communicates through thought, through image, through sound, through inspiration. And you learn to tune into those things. My knee told me on a physical level I needed to walk and the doctors were telling me not to walk. So I trusted my knee more than the doctors, and I just kept walking, even though it hurt. But as I walked more, my knee got stronger, my leg got stronger, and the pain actually eventually started to reduce. Then my knee told me on a thought level that I had to start thinking for myself. I couldn't take other people's beliefs and opinions and judgments. I had to really follow my own truth, listen to my own truth, and my own beliefs and really work on those. And so I started doing that. And on a spirit level, my knee told me I needed to go and garden, which was kind of a funny thing. It must've looked hilarious because, you know, my leg is spread out straight because I can't bend it. <laughs> and uh, I'm down on the ground trying to pull weeds. And uh, it was a wonderful situation because as I did that, I forgot about the pain. And I had those moments of really connecting with God and the universe and the oneness of nature, or whatever you want to call it. But it was almost, it was a very spiritual, not almost, it was a very spiritual experience for me to be into my garden, to pull the weeds, to nurture something, to stop thinking about me and my pain, and nurturing something else that was beautiful and growing and, and lovely. And that, those things became sort of the foundation 
of many other things that I brought in to do that led me to my healing. And now my arthritis is completely gone. That's so extraordinary to hear, Peter. Um, how can we talk to our body? What What's the process? Of I like to make it really simple. And that's when my meditation work that I teach and the hypnosis work really comes in. Because I ask people to go to a calm, still state. And uh, we do a whole process of getting there. And then from that state, really asking for an image of this part to show itself, however it wants to, person, place, or thing. Sometimes the image shows up as something scary, like a big black spider that's 10 feet tall. Other times it shows up as a goat. Sometimes it shows up as a, a younger version of you, whatever it is, but to build that relationship with that part. And I really do mean rebuild that relationship because Normally, our relationship with these parts, whether it's an addiction, anxiety, or a tumor, or whatever it is, is we're angry with it. And if I was, if Aaron, you were a part of me, let's say in this example, and I'm just yelling at you and making you wrong and bad and beating you up and shaming you, I doubt you'd want to work with me. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. And so it's important to actually start respecting these parts and to love these parts and let them know their love. And so I ask people to summon an image of this part, to surround it with love, to wrap it with a golden light or whatever it is that is love or feels like or means love as a visual representation to them and introduce themselves to that part because oftentimes we have these relationships that there is no communication and so we really don't know each other. So an introduction is important. And then to actually start dialoguing with this part. And it's all, you know, you visualize, imagine, you think about it. You invite it to become something in the space with you that you know very intimately. Because we're always communicating with our bodies. Normally we're sending negative messages to our bodies, messages of shame and fear. You know, we have that, we get, we get angry with a part, we tell ourselves, we're too fat, our butt's this, our back is that, our, our feet's were, you know, whatever it is and we, our head, and our gut, and we just beat it up. And so when you send that love and talk to that part in a way that's respectful, it starts to communicate back with us. And that's when you ask those questions, what does this part need to do in the world on a physical level, body, on that physical body level that's going to bring about its wellness? And the same question, just substitute mind, and the next question, just substitute spirit. In the question, what does that part need on a spirit level, on a thinking level, on a mind level, whatever you want to say, that's going to help it find its healing? When we actually engage in those answers, every time I see the people that I work with really creating a level of wellness that goes beyond drugs and surgery. It's, it's really amazing. It is very amazing. I'm using that at the moment in my own training and it's a huge, huge benefit to be able to talk to the body. Um, your tea shop, Peter, I see a lot of, um, we're friends on Facebook, but I see a lot of about your tea shop. Explain how that came about. So I have a motto that I, I do my best to live by, kind of like a personal mission statement. And so my mission statement is to bring wellness wherever I go. And at some point I had an opportunity where I was getting involved with herbs and healing through food, right? Let food be thy medicine. I think that was Hippocrates. And I started taking that really seriously and started really looking at what are the different foods and ingredients that Mother Nature gives us 
that increase our wellness, you know, that are natural, that are unadulterated by by human beings, yeah? Yeah. And so I started <laughs> understanding them more. And then I just stumbled into an experience of, I said, well, why don't I open up a shop? A few years later, I had, or earlier, I had I created a bunch of recipes based on mixing different herbs together, and the recipes were for particular health issues. You know, a recipe on herbs, roots, bark, spices that would assist with, say, inflammation or with uh, digestion or, um, but let's say, I don't know, cellular support or cold or flu or that type of thing, the long sleeping. And I just started creating all of these wonderful sort of recipes that we call our blends. So we have like a sleep well blend and a no more anxiety blend and a happy tummy blend and a men's blend and a mommy blend and a woman's blend and a men's erection blend and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and then I had an opportunity to sell them and selling them turned into my shop. And now I have a store, I had a little one in LA as an experiment and I opened up a larger store in downtown Los Angeles uh, that we've been open just over a year now. It's quite fun. How do you make the teas? Is it a mixture of herbs, boiling water, or what's the process? Most of our healing blends are herbal. We do have some that have a, a green base, a green tea base or something like that. But we call them teas because you brew them the same way. Now, our herbal blends you would brew at boiling. So you would want them the water to be super, super hot. And we tell people to brew all those different herbs to, together for about three minutes. And, you know, like, I don't know if people know this, but regular tea, you generally don't want the water to be boiling. You want it to be just under boiling and you brew it for a shorter amount of time. Your, your teachings and meditation, um, can you explain a bit about that? Part of my learning when I was doing my healing was for my thinking. My thinking was, has been hijacked. So let's say specifically the doctors had told me at some point that I would never be able to walk again or they told me that if I could walk, it would be with great difficulty and I'd eventually have to have my knee replaced. Now, I had a very choice word to tell them when they told me that, but that suggestion coming from a position of authority, being the doctors, really sank into my subconscious. And they told me that by the time I was 40, I'd have to have my knee replaced. And at 39 and a half, my knee blew out. So I had that belief that wasn't my belief, that was somebody else's belief but it had been planted in my subconscious and my body responded to that message that was being told to my, through my subconscious to my body and my knee blew out. And when I was talking to my knee, my knee told me I needed to discipline my thoughts more. And that led me to that experience of meditation. So I've done quite a lot of, quite a number of different types of meditation processes. I teach one that leads into a hypnosis, sort of relaxed trance state, and it's a focused meditation that then merges into a mindfulness meditation. And mindfulness is super powerful because the metaphor for mindfulness is to notice, is first to sit in the captain's seat, or your charge of your life, and then to notice the cars that are driving by, let's say. And those cars are symbolic of our thoughts, of our opinions, our judgments, maybe sounds outside, disruptive voices, whatever it is. What if you just practice noticing those things and let them drive on by? Because what happens is most of the time we get hijacked. 
a particular thought, a fear, a worry, anxiety, whatever it is, drives up, and we jump into it, and it drives us down the road. And that's what I was doing in my life. I was letting everybody else's opinions and judgments and fears and anxieties be my own, and they were taking me over and driving me down the road. I wasn't in charge. And whether it was the doctor's opinions and judgments or my family's or anyone else's, I wasn't living my life for me. And so the meditation really came in as a discipline for recognizing where I stop and somebody else starts and for really disciplining my mind to say, am I going to obsess about that fear, that worry, or that concern, or am I going to make a different choice and think about something else? And at times it was a very, very deep struggle. Very interesting. You talk about panic and anxiety and addiction. How do you help people solve those two issues? Well, from my work, and I, I've been doing this work for 10 years. I've been in the addiction world for about 20 years. And uh, I've always discovered that underneath every anxiety, under let's start with this, underneath every addiction is an anxiety. And underneath every anxiety is a trauma. So there's something that gets stuck inside of us that it doesn't matter how much we think about it. It doesn't matter how much our heart emotionally deals with it. The physical feeling of that experience, is, the experience lodges itself inside of us. It's that story of the 95-year-old man on his deathbed that, boy, you push that button and he still has all those feelings, that thing that happened to him when he was five years old that his father did to him or something like that. And if those experiences, those traumas lodge into us. And you could think about them forever ad nauseum. You could you know, do all kinds of forgiveness and healing work. If that experience is still alive in you, then it's going to bully your head and it's going to bully your heart. So getting in there and rooting out that trauma, I say that trauma is a memory that hasn't found its place in history. So it's something that happened in your past, in your history, that thinks it's still happening. And you have all the same feelings around that. And it can be quite frustrating for many people because they can even recognize, you know, oh, God, there I go again. You know, somebody brought up that ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or that spouse or that parent or some abuse that was done to them. And boom, they're right back in that experience physically in their body that they had when they were five or ten or whatever it was. And so it's important to teach that trauma to find its way back in history. When you do that, that level of anxiety drops, which means you no longer need to, to medicate. When the medication impulse is no longer there, then people heal their addictions. It's a very interesting sort of domino effect. Just shows you how everything is uh, intertwined in together. Is there something that you can advise or if there was one piece of information through your 20 or 30 years of going through this road, what would it be? One piece of advice, hmm, to always follow your truth. Wow, that's, um, that is brilliant, Peter. Congratulations on your book. When will it be out? Well, people can get it right now because what we decided to do is to do a little bit of self-publishing where we're kind of experimenting with, well, we are experimenting with how people respond to it. It's getting wonderful responses, which is one, which is really, really exciting. 
but uh, you can actually find it as a downloadable book right now on Amazon and a bunch of different sites. If you go to my website, which is convergencehealing.com, that's C-O-N-B-E-R-G-E-N-C-E, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, convergencehealing.com, you actually can find a list of all the different downloadable sites that the book is on. So people can, in a way, get a preview copy. It's the complete book. But uh, it's probably going to go through a little rewrite and stuff like that as we're discussing with the publisher and where that's going to go. But we're doing a limited run so people can get it right away, especially because I have, I have clients that I work with. and My clients really want to get the book because it sort of supports them in going through the process that we do one-on-one. Is there any events you're planning to do for 2015? Just this week, actually, this past Tuesday, I wrapped up a workshop that's a five-week workshop. We call it No More Anxiety. And I'm actually teaching that workshop again come the middle of January. I'll be doing two of them. There's a private workshop that I'll be doing with a very select group of people that is bringing me in to actually sort of be in their space and their in their world. And then I'm going to be producing my own workshop as well. People can go to createyourhealth.com to learn more about it. And it will be on uh, the middle of January. I haven't picked the exact date yet, but most likely on that second or third Tuesday. Are those events posted on your website? For the tea, the healing tea shop, and also on that side, I have uh, interviews that I've done with people who are healers. Uh, I've done about 60 different interviews uh, on different modalities and how they work and what they're about. So that would be my healing tea work and the shop if anybody wanted to get me teas, as well as the videos. You can go to create your health.com that's c-r-e-a-t-e-y-o-u-r-h-e-a-l-t-h createyourhealth.com and again for my own private work in the book they can go to convergencehealing.com that has brilliant peter thank you very much for taking time out of your day to uh, come on to the show and uh, share everything that Pete has to know thank you Aaron. i'm so happy we got to actually sit down with you together it's lovely thank you for spending the time to listen to the show If you want to learn more, check out Sansish.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sansish Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.